What is up? We are back. Welcome to Football Life presents the Audible on this Tuesday, August 24th. Kobe Bryant Day. Happy Kobe Day to all. Mamba forever. RIP, my man. And it is episode 69 of this great program that you guys come to know and love. Matt Bushnell joining me now. Matt, how you doing, my man? Episode 69. How far we've come, my man? Yeah, you know, it's, you know, went from the deep thirds to the audible. It, it was a good move. It was a solid move. We made the right decision. Um, but man, 69 episodes in the books. A lot of work went into this, Randy. So congratulations, sir. Pop the bottle and the <laughs> brassiere, if you will. <laughs> I feel like we have to do the obligatory nice uh, every time you see the word 69 here. So uh, we do our number game. Give me a guy number 69. Um, I'll get you I'll, so you can have time to ponder. I'll say mine. I posted in the teeth of the show the gif of David Bakhtiari, the left tackle of the Green Bay Packers. And in honor of his chugging abilities at <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks games, I'm just going to – not going to chug, but I'll have a little, little sip just for him. Oh, look at you go. Now, I have Jared Allen, the infamous number 69. Much better choice. <laughs> he was a wild man. He played for not only the Chicago Bears, but the Minnesota Vikings and the Kansas City Chiefs. So, long illustrious. I mean, I believe he had to run with the Panthers there at the end, too. So uh, legendary career of Jared Allen, that's for sure. All right. Well, we're going to use this episode as a bit of a catch up because we've gone through our entire divisional breakdowns. We've touched on every single team and we've done all of our predictions, Matt Bushnell. We'll save our playoff and Super Bowl predictions for maybe next week or the week after because we still got two weeks before the season starts. But. There's some been off, some offseason storylines we might have missed and some things we haven't talked about. And we had one rookie quarterback play last night. So let's just talk about the rookie quarterbacks, because this is already being touted Matt, as the best rookie quarterback class of all time. I just need to get everyone to pump the brakes a little bit here. We are just two preseason games in. Um, it's preseason. I, I can't stress it enough. Like, do not overreact to the to the preseason. Our friendly Leon Tompkins would probably tell anybody who would listen. The 2008 Detroit Lions, he went 0 16, went 4 0 in the preseason and looked like a juggernaut. So, this is just this is faker football than fantasy football. This is just coaches use this to develop the back end of the rosters, special teams. Like, this is not something that you should be taking all to that seriously. However, it is a chance for us to get to see these guys in pads with their teams. So I understand there's some excitement involved, but you have to temper your expectations. Matt, before we get into each individual quarterback and how they've done so far, I, I you have some thoughts on preseason in general, I assume? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I'll give preseason a little bit of merit here. Like the teams that you think are going to be bad coming into this year are probably going to be bad anyway. So for instance, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Eagles are expected to be shit coming into the year. We thought that at draft time, we thought that after the season last year, we thought that coming into the season, we thought that during our off season prediction shows, the Eagles are going to be garbage and preseason shows every indication that that's going to be the case. Now, I don't take very many things seriously. There's little signs you can watch, like dumb coaching, you know, just putting yourself in a box. But for the most part, preseason football is just to get loose, get your body used to hitting. The starters well, rarely play. And if you really watch the veterans play, Randy, none of them want to play. They look so disinterested. They don't care. They want the regular season to start. So really, like you said, if you're watching it, you're watching it for the back end guys. Fantasy football sleepers, I would say, maybe the most useful tool for preseason football. 
The only time fan, uh, that preseason has ever made a difference in the Giants world, for example, because this is what I, I pay attention to the most, uh, Victor Cruz uh, earned a roster spot in 2011, scored three touchdowns against the Jets, one of the most famous preseason games in, in Giants history, especially. Um, and you know, you have a guy who plays well, makes the roster and not make an impact, but obviously Victor Cruz became uh, a bit of a legend in the Giants world. So um, that's the one thing I always go back to is like, I remember Victor Cruz wearing number three against the Jets, Rex Ryan going, who the hell is number three? Like, that's like the only time really any of this stuff has mattered to me uh, and it has transformed into the regular season. So uh, I don't overreact to any of this stuff. A lot of it is vanilla defenses, uh, straight up, just look, get looks, getting reps. I honestly, the reps are more important to these guys than it is on what they look like. So uh, last night, Monday Night Football, uh, we saw Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick, go against the New Orleans Saints. And um, look, I think a lot of the narrative around Trevor Lawrence is that he is the uh, the, the savior. He is one of the, the best quarterback prospects we have seen in the history of football. Uh, and so far to this point, many would say he looks disappointing. Look, it's preseason. The Jags went one at 15 for a reason. They are one of the worst franchises in the league. I am not overreacting to this. Matt, I assume you're not either, but just for the, for the hell of it, he, you know, he, he only played six possessions, I believe the first game or 15 snaps. Um, but last night he, he played the whole first half and he went 14 to 23 for 113 yards. Didn't have any turnovers. My most alarming thing to me is he ran to the left for a first down and didn't slide and got hit pretty good. <laughs> I guess to me, that would be a sign like, yeah, you got to learn how to slide a little bit. I think, uh, that you know, any quarterback who wants the last in the league is going to have to learn how to do that. But overall, Trevor Lawrence, to me, um, all right, he's fine. He, he hasn't really shown me anything, but at the same time, it's preseason. Yeah, I, we talk about this, Randy, and, you know, you and I talk offline. I, Trevor Lawrence was the safest pick coming into this draft. And we talked a little bit about this this past week. What you know about the rookie quarterbacks is the same you knew coming into this, you know, coming into the draft. After the draft, what we thought of them is probably mostly true. Um, when it comes to Trevor Lawrence, he was the safest pick in the draft. He's got a lot of the base core tools that you need to be successful as a quarterback in the NFL. He's not going to bust out. I do agree. You better learn how to slide. It was like this past week in preseason <laughs> football was get your rookie quarterback killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> we'll get to that one too in soon too. Yeah. So, you know, really it just comes down to, all right, game awareness. Does Trevor Lawrence have it? Absolutely. He's played in two, I believe, two national championships. So the kid has the game experience. That's what you want. His arm looks good. His feet look good. His intelligence is good. He's not turning the ball over a ton. So Mm -hmm. to me, I'm not worried about Trevor Lawrence whatsoever. If this is, you know, if he's going 14 for 23 in week, 13 yeah I'd be a little worried at that point agreed and it seems like he has a good rapport already with the receiving core LaVisca Chenault Marvin Jones I mean I'm sure him and DJ Chark will have a good thing going eventually Um, unfortunately they lose Travis Etienne which we'll talk more about in a little bit but um, overall you know I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be fine getting him these reps are important ultimately but I would start doing some sliding uh, drills in practice if I was (laughs) Urban Meyer all right moving on to the number two pick in the draft obviously the first three picks this year were all quarterbacks but Zach Wilson 
Uh, didn't do a ton the first week. I don't think he played all that much. These There's only three preseason games, reminder, so they don't play a ton. They don't play as much as they used to, I would say. But uh, this is probably good for the starters. But Wilson actually looked very good, I would say, in his second game. Um, and he, you know, went 15 of 20, 191 yards, two touchdowns against the back uh, the Packers backups, which, again, preseason, these are Packers backups. And, and even Robert Salah said, let's not go nuts about this because this is a backups. This is what he's supposed to do. If he was doing the opposite, he'd, get, he'd be getting killed by saying, oh, he can't even torch the backups. So to him, he said it's good that he's reading the defenses and, and making, um, you know, progressing through his emotions and, and moving out of the pocket when he needs to and I, I thought Wilson looked very smooth and the speed of the game did not overwhelm him but again I guess I'm gonna say this probably 100 times this episode it is preseason but Matt what did you make of uh, Zach Wilson's second preseason game the other night oh the arm talent's real man you mm-hmm. th- that arm is m- maybe the best in the draft kind of what we thought about um it's so good I still think there's things I worry about He's seeing a lot of, and, and this is what you don't see in the preseason, is complex defensive schemes. He hasn't seen zone blitzing at the level that he's going to see it. Once they get the game tape, they're going to take away things that he likes. One thing I definitely see that Zach Wilson loves to do is roll to his left and throw to his left. I believe it's his left or his right. Well, one of the two, very Josh Allen-esque from last season. But Josh Allen's you know, a much better quarterback in that regard. But you, you take a look at it. And it's just what happens when the defense starts taking that away from him and he has to start staying in the pocket. So those are things I'm going to look for with Zach Wilson, but the arm talent looks good. It's really top notch in the NFL. It really does come out of his arm really nicely. And you you kind of get the, you kind of can see why he was getting uh, Aaron Rodgers comparisons in a way. It's so effortless coming out of his arm, uh, coming out of his hand. Uh, Vince in the comments makes a good point. Like nobody's feet ever looked that good. The footwork is always a work in progress. I think especially for the rookies. I mean, I'm, yeah, I would prefer, um, especially some of the longer drops that they have that down at this point, but um, you can start getting pressured. You lose your fundamentals. It's part of the preseason, part of being a young player in general. So um, I, Zach Wilson, I will say this. Uh, our friend Jacob Anthony Moses always said he kind of had the Jimmy Clausen face. Um <laughs> As long as he wears that headband with it tied in the back, I'm always just going to think he's 12 years old. So um, maybe maybe ditch the headband and maybe try to get a little stubble going on here because he just looks like a baby. He really does. Uh, but, hey, I think if you're a Jets fan, you're encouraged about Zach Wilson at this point. Yeah, I'm sorry. Jose Abreu just hit a three-run bomb. So <laughs> anyway. Too bad Eddie. he didn't do that over the weekend. Yeah, uh, oh, God. Rough, rough <laughs> go for the White Sox. But, no, I, I think – I'll argue this point about footwork because I think I saw some good stuff and we're going to get to two quarterbacks later on that showed, I think, in my opinion, not only great footwork, but great pocket presence. And and those two quarterbacks we're going to talk about, maybe the two strongest preseasons thus far. So to me, Zach Wilson's going to be fine. I don't want to overreact to it, um, but I will be curious. Can Corey Davis ascend to that number one wide receiver role as well? Because I don't think they have a number one wide receiver. I think Corey Davis is a great signing for them, and I think he will be the number one guy for them. Whether he is number one or not um, remains to be seen, but I think that was a big get for them because, I mean, I like Denzel Mims, but I don't think he was able to be a number one either. So, uh, I mean, you have – what was the other guy too? I forget his name. His name escapes me. But uh, nonetheless, Corey Davis, big get for them, and I think that you see him and Zach Wilson already uh, having a bit of a rapport together too. Um, All right. Moving on now uh, to what I think is one of the more interesting 
quarterback situations in the NFL. Um, Matt, I don't know about you, but this gives me vibes of 10 years ago with the same franchise. You have your generic, um, pretty average white quarterback <laughs> who is designated the starter with this guy who comes in who is a guy who moves his legs pretty well, you know, decent arm kind of throws a little bit weird, um, makes a lot of plays with his feet, really athletic. Um, tell me that this Jimmy Garoppolo Trey Lance situation is not just Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick all over again. That, I did not even, that, that thought never crossed my mind. Wow. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, all right. I, I mean, I think Alex Smith is probably more mobile than Jimmy Garoppolo. So I maybe, agree. so maybe, but I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo looked like dog shit. And the, you see, that part worries me. That, that does concern me when you're playing against a bunch of backups and you've been playing in the league for as long as you have. It's just like, c- come on, you can be a little better than that. And to, to me, I like what I see from Trey Lance and Spurts. Like, very his game is pretty that's a great comp you know it really is to Colin Kaepernick because he's extremely mobile within the pocket he does have a laser arm but he lacks accuracy mm-hmm. and I think that was the one knock on Kaepernick throughout the years of playing was just like can he throw the football accurately enough to win within the pocket and I think that's what worries me about Trey Lance as well um, obviously I'm not going to question his arm strength it's not Zach Wilson strong but I think I'll go back to this. Let him sit. Let Trey Lance sit. Out of all the quarterbacks, he's the one guy that shouldn't be playing to start the year. He needs to sit. And I'll just go with that. I agree. There's a lot of things that alarm me about Lance. Um, throwing motion among those um, overall fundamentals. Footwork, I think, is the worst with Lance than any of the other quarterbacks I've seen so far. Um, arm strength, I think I'm having a hard time evaluating because he throws the ball so unorthodox that his windup takes longer. So I think he's going to have a real issue with that in the league. So if he has to, to really put a lot of oomph into it, and it takes a while. These defenses are going to eat that up. Um, a quick release is everything when you're a quarterback. And I think that's something he really has to work on. I mean, he has shown some flashes, obviously he had that ADR touchdown, but I mean, that was a duck. Uh, let's, let's be real. That was not a great throw by any means. Um, and preseason he, so far as a whole in his first two games, he's gone 13 to 28, 230 yards, three touchdowns and one pick. Uh, I think if you're a Niners fan, your, your opinion remains the same. This guy will be successful because he has Kyle Shanahan as his quarterback and he will put him in uh, situations to be successful. Uh, Trey Lance might lead the league in rushing touchdowns at a quarterback position because of the RPOs that they will have someday. Uh, Not saying this year, but someday. I mean, he's incredibly mobile, incredibly athletic, um, but his arm uh, still is something that I would be concerned about if I was a Niners fan. Um, The Jimmy G – the, the comparison to Alex Smith, Jimmy G, is a little different because Alex Smith obviously was number one overall quarterback, um, and Colin Kaepernick was a third, fourth round pick out of Nevada. Who wasn't? He came in just on running plays alone, mind you. Like he really wasn't a guy at first who was supposed to be the quarterback. This situation is much different. Jimmy G was obviously traded for. He gets paid a decent amount of money. But if I am a Niners fan, I didn't draft Trey Lance to have Colin Kaepernick third overall. I drafted Trey Lance to have a guy who could be Deshaun Watson. I, I don't want to have a guy. 
guy with Colin Kaepernick's talent level with the third overall pick. I can get that guy uh, in the third, fourth round. Uh, I think you, you saw the guy, uh, uh, the Vikings get a guy in Kellen Mond who could be that mold. Uh, I just think, you know, you don't want to draft a guy with just Colin Kaepernick ceiling third overall. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah. I mean, going back to Jimmy Garoppolo, and this is the thing that I think just to put it all in perspective, if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't get hurt as much as he does, Trey Lance is not a 49er. I mean, let's just face it. I don't think it's a performance issue with Jimmy G because every year that Jimmy G's played, I mean, he's won. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has won a lot of games for the 49ers, won healthy, even on a subpar roster when he got traded over there from New England. Mm -hmm. But I completely agree with you. You do not use the number third overall pick in the draft for a guy that attributes are Colin Kaepernick and Colin Kaepernick, not a bad year quarterback. Um, Colin Kaepernick's a nice quarterback. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I think the part that concerns me is we see Jordan Love in Green Bay, very much kind of like Colin Kaepernick, strong arm, but not probably not as mobile. Right. And he went late first. Yeah. And that was we, a reach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was a big time reach. And now we're seeing teams overvalue quarterbacks in, in weird spots because a guy like a Josh Allen who Chris Henry brought up in the chat, you know, is Trey Lance greater or less than first year Josh Allen. Um, I'll clarify that by saying Josh Allen's arm is the most elite in the NFL. Josh Allen has the strongest arm in the NFL right now. I mean, Patrick home, Patrick Mahomes is the total package at the quarterback position. He gives you everything, but Josh Allen has the strongest arm. I mean, the guy can throw it through, you know, a wall. So to me, Trey Lance doesn't profile with that arm strength. You know, I, I just think there was a miss, a gross miscalculation at the quarterback position in this draft. And it's shown for a lot of teams. I think the raw talent comparison could be made there with, with um, Lance and Josh Allen, you know, the small school comparisons um, both have good mobility. I think Lance's athleticism is a little bit more, but at the same time, Josh Allen is pretty damn athletic. He can really run. And he, I mean, he really makes plays with his legs. So I have to say, I, I, I guess if you're asking who's going to have a better, who, if Lance is going to have a better first year than Josh Allen, I think a lot of people were out on Josh Allen that first year. So if Lance has as bad of a year as Josh Allen did, <laughs> there, there's going to be alarms bringing in there to San yeah. Francisco. So yeah. I, I hope for the Niners' sake that Lance does better than Josh Allen did year one. Yeah, and I, I don't know if we will. We don't know, so. All right. Well, it's time now, Matt Bushnell, for you to get excited because it is the Chicago Bears rookie quarterback and the 11th overall pick, Justin Fields, uh, who has shown some signs here and I think maybe looked a little bit worse the second game. But at the same time, it's preseason, so you're going to have your ups and downs. Uh, Fields says he's confident in where he's at at the moment. Um, But while I look for his stats, Matt, what do you think? What do you like that you've seen from from Justin Fields overall? And uh, what do you want some things to improve on? So, so the biggest surprise to me out of all of this is just the poise. He looks, he looks relaxed in the pocket. And obviously that comes from coming in playing big games at Ohio state. To me, I just don't know what phases the kid and he plays. I mean, he plays so smooth. Everything comes so natural. The athletic ability. I'll, I'll say this both preseason games when he's on the field, he's been the best player on the field and it shows both times. And I know it's against backups and that's fair, but if you're just looking just from a pure specimen athletic, he looks like he's just cut from a different cloth 
than every other guy on the field. And I think that's what makes him different from a Trey Lance, from a Zach Wilson. I mean, Tr- Trevor Lawrence is a, a big dude. He's like 6'6". So mm-hmm. he stands out. Mac Jones just looks like he could either be working the cashiers at Walmart, but you never <laughs> expect him in the NFL. But Josh Fields is the most physically put together quarterback. Josh Fields, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Very good in Josh Fields. Justin Fields. <laughs> oh, geez. Jo- I'm having White Sox flashbacks of Josh Fields at third base. Oh, no. Um, but no, he, he's a different type of quarterback that the Bears have never had. Um, the, the arm strength is good. The arm strength pops. It's not Zach Wilson where it just comes off the hand so easily. There's some effort into it. But overall, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited from what I see. I got to see it in the regular season. I know Andy Dalton's going to get killed by the Rams, which is fine. So, you know, I can wait till week two. Yeah, I mean, they already have uh, committed to Andy Dalton starting week one, so Andy Dalton will not play at all in the preseason finale, and Fields will start the preseason finale uh, this weekend. Uh, the first game against Miami, Fields goes 175 all-purpose yards with two touchdowns and then kind of you know played a little bit worse against Buffalo, the 9 of 19 for 80 yards, but he still had 46 rushing yards on four attempts. you love to see that mobility out of him. Uh, I think the play that everyone talked about the most was the missed assignment uh, where he got blown up. Uh, I think, you know, pre-snap is something he has to work on, but I think a lot of these quarterbacks come in never having to do any of that. Um, the, the play is kind of called for them and they, they run motion and then they, they say hike and then they run the play. Um, running pre-snap is a very advanced uh, quarterback skill. And, and I think Fields is going to struggle with that at first, but eventually uh, with practice and uh, tape watching, it'll come to him. But uh, <laughs> if you're a Bears fan watching that hit, you're just like, all right, get him the hell out of the game and <laughs> let's work on uh, some, some blitz pickups there. Yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately, I watched that game. And to me, from top to bottom, the Bears just looked disinterested. A lot of players seemed like they didn't want to play the game, which is kind of alarming. You know, that worries me, especially on the back end. Their offensive line, you know, is in shambles due to injuries. So a lot of this is just going to be, okay, when is he going to be able to pick up? Because I agree with you. Like, if if we're talking pre-snap, Chicago's in pretty good shape with him then. If it's just pre-snap issues, because a lot of, you know, it's it's towards that final stage of, you know, that quarterback development. So to me, that play as a quarterback, you need to call a hot route to where the blitz is coming from. You have to identify a blitz. And I was shocked to see a blitz in preseason, but, you know, some teams are doing it. But you got to call a hot route to that side where that blitz is coming from, and you got to get it out. He never even looked to his right, Randy, and that's mm-hmm. a cardinal sin. Payne Manning would always get up to the line, take his time, scan over. I know we're talking about the most cerebral quarterback in NFL history, but Aaron Rodgers will do it. Tom Brady will do it. They're going to look at the field. They're going to identify where the pressure's coming from, and either they're going to slide protection over to that side mm-hmm. or they're going to send a wide receiver to that area and get rid of the ball very quickly. Right. I mean, look, like I said, it's a very much an advanced QB stat. Only the greatest of the greatest know how to really do this uh, at an elite level. And I mean, guys know how to call audibles, but not calling the right audibles, yeah. and then we are called the audible, uh, is um, very difficult to do. And, you know, even these great defensive coordinators calling disguises uh, and, and showing one thing and running another. I mean, it's, it's very hard to play quarterback in the NFL, and I'm sure Fields will learn from that. Uh, and maybe it's good for on the bills for, for giving him that lesson early on. Cause now I'm sure, uh, you know, it's a teaching moment for Matt Nagy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
All right, now the final first-round quarterback, uh, 15th overall pick, Mac Jones. And sneakily here, Matt Bushnell, uh, Cam Newton is missing time due to a COVID-19-related testing issue. And Mac Jones is now going to be thrusted into the most reps this week, and he looks like he will play a ton this weekend against the Giants in the preseason finale. I don't know about you, but I'm getting the vibe that Mac Jones might end up starting week one for the New England Patriots. I'm going to go with Cam getting the starting job. And I'll say that Cam's look good. I mean, he hasn't looked terrible. I, I think it's a situation where you feel pretty okay about the situation. Now, here's the other side of the coin. Mac Jones looks good, too. Yep. He, he's not looking like he's lost. I think from a mental aspect, we all thought Mac Jones was going to be the most advanced, um, probably mentally coming into the draft, just because he went to Nick Saban University. Yep. And pretty much you have to know everything about anything if you play for Nick Saban. So to me... Um, Mac Jones is what he was advertised to be. He's got a good enough arm where he can throw those 10 yard passes and nothing further. Basically he's, he's, he's your perfect fit for your Patriot scheme. <laughs> to me, he's very steady. Uh, like you said, we, we said it uh, at Alabama, he did a lot of pro things already. He, he did those pre-snap things that we're seeing field struggle with. He reads defense as well. He has a solid arm. Uh, he's never going to physically uh, dominate you by any means, but overall he runs the plays. He's fundamentally sound and he knows how to go through his progressions. And overall, I think, you know, he's going to be a steady NFL quarterback as long as he has great coaching and, and Bill Belichick and talent around him. Uh, so far in preseason, he's completed 26, 38 for 233 yards. He has no, no touchdowns, no picks. Um, but overall PFF has him as the highest graded quarterback in this preseason. So um that I mean, that's pretty crazy considering all the quarterbacks that have played, but at the same time, he's a rookie and they've tried to put him in situations to succeed. So uh, I understand it. Um, if you told me, you know, other than Lawrence and Wilson, who is the other quarterback who's starting first here, I think it's Mac Jones. Uh, I, I understand the cam has looked good too, but if cam's going to have these COVID issues, if Jones really shows out and really develops and, and, and Belichick can give him the vote of confidence this week, it would not shock me at all. If Mac Jones is starting week one. Uh, he's under center. Um, are, do you see this being a situation where Mac takes over inevitably anyway, Matt, or do you kind of see this as Cam Newton's job until he plays poorly again? I think so. So Lawrence is, you know, Urban Meyer hasn't come on and said Lawrence is starting in Jacksonville, but I think we're all under the assumption that he has to start week one. Mm -hmm. um, I think Wilson's a slam dunk for week yep. for the Jets because they have nobody else to play yep. the quarterback position. And then, yeah, I, I think it's Mac Jones. And I, I don't think they're going to let Cam Newton. They're not going to give him a very long leash, but he will start week one. And the reason why I say that Mac will start before Justin Fields is because I have a feeling that the Bears know what they know about the offensive line. And they're going to want to wait for that offensive line to get settled and to see what they have before they throw Justin Fields out there. Because if Justin's having issues picking up the blitz and assigning protections, your center has to do that. And in order for your center to do that, they have to be cohesive and they have to have a lot of work and time together as an offensive line. I think New England's in that situation where everyone pretty much knows their job. They've been around each other now. Um, relatively, I think they're coming back pretty healthy. They have a really good defense, but I don't think Bill is going to be in the waiting game for Cam Newton to get his stuff together. He's got Brady, I believe, week four, yep. and that is going to be Belichick's Super Bowl for the regular season. He's going to want to win that game. 
-hmm. and he's going to put in the best quarterback to win that game. I think if there's any signs of Cam struggling week one, I think Matt Jones is coming in. I think you're right. And I think Mac Jones is steady enough. He's not going to kill you. Not going to turn the ball over. And I think that's exactly what Bill Belichick's looking for. Uh, all right. So that's the rookie quarterback roundup there. I mean, I hope you're all excited. It has been dubbed the greatest quarterback class of all time in 2021. Uh, okay. Uh, in other news, we missed a bunch of this. So we're going to go a little bit of rapid fire here, Matt Bushnell. We talked about quarterbacks. One that is not a rookie. One that is one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. One of the best quarterbacks in the NFL when healthy. Has some pretty alarming health news, I would say. Dak Prescott has been dealing with a shoulder strain uh, for the last couple of weeks, and it has kept him out of practice, dealing with light throwing. And this is after he came back from his brutal ankle break. Uh, his, his, I mean, we, I remember the game against the Giants pretty well. He just, his foot, you know, facing a different direction altogether. Um, I'm not a medical expert by any means, Matt Bushnell, but I did play football for a brief amount of time and I coached football for a brief amount of time. The amount of throwing I've done in practices and camp, I would say, really put a strain on my arm and I have never reached a level to, I've never, I've never even played the quarterback position, mind you. I can't imagine uh, that the shoulder is just going to magically feel better. And I feel like this is an injury that's going to linger and really affect Dak, at least for this season. What are your thoughts? I don't trust a lot of what's coming out here, you know, with them being on hard knocks. I think they want to, you know, give teams a false sense of game planning that Dak's going to be ready to go by week one. The shoulder is a tricky place, man, because you got so many things there. And anytime it's a joint issue, you have a lot to worry about, you know, labrum, AC, you know, an AC sprain. There's a lot that goes on there to me. I don't think the Cowboys are being forthright with us. And I know Dak isn't being forthright with us because he would be participating in practice more. He'd be throwing more and, and keep in mind, how many games did he have with CD lamb last year, six or seven. So he only played the first four weeks, I think. Yeah. So, so now, you know, you, you want to develop a, a more timing. You need the timing with your wide receivers. Amari Cooper and him have played together for a little while now, but still, you know, each year is a little different, you know, Michael Gallup, I think he's still there for the Cowboys and, and the offensive line is fairly new. They need to hear your cadence. They need to get used to you. The fact that he's not doing a whole lot is alarming to me. And I don't think that the Cowboys or Dak is giving us the correct information. And I think it's really going to affect the Cowboys year. Yeah, I mean, the way they even, I don't know if you saw the way they even tweeted about Dak's injury, uh, which I think they deleted because I'm trying to find it and I can't, but it was something along the lines of don't be alarmed, don't panic, but Dak Prescott has to go get an MRI on his shoulder. <laughs> All right, well, I don't know about you, but anytime I hear the words don't panic, I'm like, well, shit, what's happening now? Um, so really great job on the Cowboys social front there. Um I can't stress this enough either. Look, I don't care about a shoulder injury. I think Tony Romo played through a lot of shoulder injuries in his career. This is a throwing shoulder injury. This is not your opposite shoulder. You could, I mean, obviously your other shoulder, you don't want that to get hurt either. But if you cannot throw the ball, and to this point he's only been really clear to do some light throwing like within five yards, that is not ideal for this guy who has pretty good arm strength. The Cowboys offense is predicated on throwing the ball down the field. Um, this is a huge issue. Um, and I think even hard knocks, I don't know if you got the chance to watch any hard knocks. I think it's been a pretty bad season overall so far, yeah. but they don't really touch on a lot of the fact that like, 
yeah, this is precautionary. Like this is about long-term, like for Dak throughout the season. But what if he gets hit? What if, what if this is a reoccurring problem? Is Ben DiNucci going to play quarterback for the Cowboys all season long? You just paid this guy so much money. And if he can't stay healthy, you're going to be in the top five in the draft next year. Your team is going to be horrible. I like, and, and CD lamb just go, now goes on the COVID-19 list. Like the Cowboys to me, I, I am so down on, and they are still the favorite to win the NFC East for some reason. If you're a betting man, I would take the under on the win total and I would bet another team to win the division. Me, I would choose the Washington football team, but the Cowboys to me are in a very, very bad spot here with that Prescott. Yeah, before all this happened, I, I had the Cowboys winning the division just because I thought offensively they were so talented that they would give Washington some problems in the secondary. Now I take a look at the landscape of this, and even if Dak misses one game, and I, I think that's what separates maybe Washington and Dallas, is one game with everything being equal if everyone's healthy. And that could be um, with either, you know um, – Dak, or I'm sorry, with Dak at quarterback, or you know, all that being equal, both teams being healthy. Now that Dak may not play one week or two weeks or three weeks, really, it puts the thought process in my head that Washington's got the better overall unit now on that defensive side of the football. They are really good. We're talking elite levels in the front seven, and having Chase Young, who can just totally destroy everything that you think you may have. Mm-hmm. makes a big difference so to me Dallas is in a lot of trouble like you said this team could go from first in my opinion all the way down to third because I know I have Philly last the Giants I think have a good enough defense to be right you know right there yeah I agree but um to me, it's alarming. If you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, this is not a good situation. This is not one. It's not a Super Bowl roster anyway. Yep. Two, you, you lose your all stud quarterback who you just gave one hundred and fifty four million dollars to. I mean, it, it's not a good situation. Ben DiNucci is not your answer. No, I actually think if Dak doesn't play a lot this year, um, they, they might be worse than Philly. I, I think that they, you know, they'll be the worst team in the division. Um, I just think Mike McCarthy is just a lame coach and a lot of things will go wrong for them. Uh, you know, they do they do say Jerry Jones uh, came out and said that they do expect Dak to play week one. So um, just to point out here, today is August 24th. <laughs> we are uh, 16 days away from the kickoff of the NFL season on September 9th. So uh, unless that shoulder starts to feel better here, I don't really know how that happens. So maybe opening day might be a blowout against the Bucks. It might have been a blowout anyway. Who knows? Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on, Matt Bushnell, to your Chicago Bears and a story that must bring you so much delight here. Uh, it came out yesterday that the Las Vegas Raiders called the Bears uh, interested in making a trade. Now, if you're familiar with history, recent NFL history, but especially, you would know that the, Bear, uh, the, the Raiders had already traded Khalil Mack to the Bears and they got a haul in return. Uh, now they're calling interested in bringing back Matt, <laughs> bringing Mack back. Uh, what is going on here, Matt? What the hell? Well, you know, you know what happens when you have a premier player that does one thing really well, and that's rush the passer, and you don't have anyone to do it. And now you're just kind of in this landscape of hell of not being able to rush the passer. Uh, I'm not seller's remorse, maybe. I don't know. But to me, Oakland is such a mess. Um, Oakland jar. Yeah. Um, The Vegas Raiders are up Schitt's Creek and you hear 
not only with that, but now you hear the IRS is looking into the Las Vegas Raiders. Mm -hmm. You hear that potentially um, their stadium does not have some faulty things with the credit cards. I guess, you know, when they hosted a, a big wrestling event there this past week, that the credit card machine wasn't working. So now it's just like, can we get them back on hard knocks? This may have been the most interesting team yeah. to have on hard knocks again. Um, but man, it, it, it's bad news for these Raiders. And I'm sorry if I'm the Bears, I don't know what moves the needle for Mac because we know they don't have another premier pass rusher. You know, you, Robert Quinn isn't the answer. There's not really another guy on the roster that you feel good about. So really it's kind of like, if they have any hopes of making the playoffs, Cleo Mack has to be a bear. If you trade them, you're basically saying we're not making the playoffs this year. We're not competing. So even for some who think they won't compete anyway, but you know, I mean, Mack still is an elite pass rusher, whether he's performed up to his expectations since 2018 or not. I mean, it's a guy you want on your team. Um, this story is just hilarious. This is like the Giants calling the Browns like, hey, anyway, we could get Odell back. <laughs> but Odell uh, hasn't even performed to the level of Mack has uh, since he left. So, um, I mean, I could see the Giants making that mistake anyway. But uh, this, uh, this is just such a, uh, a Raiders thing. It's such a Gruden Mayock thing. It, it is a joke. It's a big, big, big joke. All right. Uh, moving on now to, uh, I don't know if I want to say devastating injury news, but unfortunate injury news for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They drafted Travis Etienne, 25th overall, so he could play with his college buddy in Trevor Lawrence. Well, now he's going to be, he's going to miss the entire 21 season with a Liz Frank injury. Uh, it is a foot injury that is going to sideline him for the entire upcoming season. So uh, I guess I'll keep this quick, Matt, and say, hey, if you're a fantasy football player, hello, James Robinson. Yeah, absolutely. James Robinson's draft stock just went yeah. straight up. But <laughs> um, to me, you know, we go back to it, Randy, and I, and I kind of go with your rule of thumb here. He was drafted in the first round. Don't draft running backs in the first round, especially when you have James Robinson on your roster. It was a dumb draft pick at the time. I, I to, to me, I feel bad for the kid. It sucks. But at the end of the day, you know, I don't know if it really moves the needle for the Jaguars because still it's kind of a bad roster with not a lot of offensive weapons. Um, I like Chenault. I, I think he'll be good. They got, they got some pieces there, but, yeah. and it's just, yeah. And another reason why you don't do your fantasy football draft until after preseason. Amen. Yeah. Stop doing your draft so early. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I kind of like the way they were using ATN as sort of this um, flex pass catching running back who could play the slot. Okay, fine. Um, but overall, this team's going to go as far as Lawrence does with the three receivers in Chark, Chenault, uh, and Marvin Jones. And then also now, I mean, James Robinson is not a, it's not a scrub. I, I think people don't realize how, how good he was last year. And instead of using him as a pass catching back, they're going to use him as just a primary rusher. And you can find third down pass catching backs a dime a dozen in the NFL. So um, you, you can, you can do what you were doing with ETN with just about anybody. So uh, I think they'll be able to fill that spot just fine. Uh, before we get to our last news segment, this just came to me here, Matt, because I, we're talking about the Jags and they played the saints last night and Sean Payton oh, yeah. remains non-committal at the quarterback <laughs> position to me, which is a huge joke. Um, 
I know Jameis Winston is a bit of a, a bit of a uh, laughing stock here in the NFL sometimes, but to me, he earns, he has earned this quarterback job. He is clearly the best quarterback they have on the roster. Taysom Hill, it, to me, is a gimmick. Like, why is he so committed to using Taysom Hill all of the time? I, I'm just shocked that he won't just come out and admit, uh, commit to Jameis Winston at this point. And Winston's looked good. I mean, yeah. let's face it, he. He's looked pretty good. And granted, it's preseason, so we don't know everything. But to me, what advantage does Taysom Hill give you, really, at the quarterback position? He's he's your best gadget player. You, you can line him up in a whole bunch of different positions, running back, tight end, wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He gives you a ton of flexibility there. But, you know, we all know it should be Jameis Winston at this point. You know, if you could reclamate him and you don't have to invest – a lot of other capital into a quarterback, I, I think you're in good shape. And to me, Winston has to start for the Saints. You, you have to find out what you have in him or else, you know, you're just going to be blown in the wind looking for another quarterback. Yeah, it's got to be Jameis's job. All right. Uh, now back with the Jaguars once again, Matt, because, uh, you know, let's totally. chalk this up the most predictable uh, news item of all time. But uh Jaguars tight end, 34-year-old veteran Tim Tebow uh, has been cut. Uh, he didn't make it past the first round of cuts, and uh, rightfully so. If you saw some of the highlights of him trying to block, uh, it, has, it was pretty embarrassing. Um, I don't think we need to spend too much time on Matt, uh, on this map, but uh, you know, I just wanted to take a little victory lap here on this Tim Tebow situation. Absolutely, because screw that son of a bitch. Um, at the end <laughs> of the day, look, we all, I think we called it, Randy. It was a gimmick. It was a gimmick all along. It was to mm-hmm. sell tickets, get some preseason. It's they pimped them out just like the New York Mets minor league organization did yeah. Tim D Tim Tebow is the biggest pimp job out there for an organization <laughs> that wants to sell tickets. What's next? What NBA team is struggling to sell tickets Randy? <laughs> because he's going to suit up for an NBA team, maybe right. the G league coming up. Um, you know, it's just I I hated watching him play because you know what? Honestly, those blocks that he missed, even a fourth or fifth or sixth string tight end on your roster is making those blocks. As an NFL tight end, if you are that blocking tight end, you are making those blocks because that's your job. Tim Tebow's pass patterns were garbage. He ran in the same spot as um oh, I forget the other guy that ran in front of him and took the pass, but you know, his, his routes were rounded. They weren't flat. They weren't sharp cuts. Mm-hmm. We really didn't get to see his hands much. I just, it was such a joke. I, you know, he Not only would the fourth and fifth string guys make the blocks, they would have just put forth better effort. And yeah. to me, like, this is the biggest crime of this whole story is that Tim Tebow really took another opportunity away from someone who has spent their whole life working towards it. Uh, I know it didn't last long, but still, someone else didn't get a chance in camp to prove themselves because Tim Tebow did. Um, and maybe that person will never get another shot to to really show if they're, they're capable of playing or not. So that's that's real the real crime here uh, on Tim Tebow. So hardly knew you. Go work for the SEC Network and <laughs> do pregame for the Florida Gators games. I don't really care. Uh, just stop trying to play sports for me please uh okay matt we're gonna do a little fun segment here we want to do a little something as a, as a something we don't get to do a lot when we do those divisional previews we're talking a lot about individual things uh so we're gonna do our our list we're gonna rank five 
breakout candidates for 2021, five players on any position that we think are going to have a big year this year. Um, I, I, I did a little bit of research on this throughout the day. And unfortunately I came up with four of my five or second year guys. So, um, and I don't have any, you know, offensive linemen or anything. Uh, I kind of could have went all quarterbacks. I didn't do that either. I tried to mix it up. I do have a defensive player, um, but overall uh, we're going to do our top five. What did you think of this exercise, Matt? Um, it, it made me extremely unproductive in my other line of work, but uh, <laughs> Same. I, I, I loved it. You know, I got a chance to take a look at some guys and, you know, Randy, really to me too, I came up with a lot of second year guys myself. I mean, they just kind of lend themselves to this exercise. Yeah. All right. So let's get it going here, Matt. Uh, I'm going to go five to one um and 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 do the guys you know i'm least confident in the most but all these guys i'm relatively confident in. but maybe the players i think i'm going to have the biggest years uh, i'm going to start off with number five uh saints wide receiver marquez calloway he's a second year wide receiver where's number one for the saints and i think with especially with michael thomas out sidelined and no more uh emmanuel sanders in the in the mix here um and if you have a traditional quarterback like Jameis, who i think eventually will win the job he has to throw to somebody um I think they have a, another guy here, um, Traquan Smith, I believe is his name. But this guy's going to play the opposite. He's looked very good so far in the preseason. He had flashes last year. I mean, he had 21 catches for 213 uh, yards uh, in 11 games last year. So uh, he didn't get the chance to play a ton. There's a lot of stuff going on with the Saints, with Drew Brees, and all the weapons they had. I think Marquez Callaway is going to be a guy where if he's not the number one, he's going to be the number two, and we're going to see him make plays uh, on highlight reels, and he's going to score some touchdowns for the Saints this year. He comes in at number five for me, number one, Marquez Callaway. Okay, um, number five for me, and I don't know if this is cheating or what it may be. Um, I know he showed flashes, but Brandon Ayuk for the 49ers, um, really great moves. I'm not sure if the speed is top end. I mean, he's quick. I, I don't think there's any doubt that he's quick. But, man, he just has a lot of athletic ability hurdling guys last year. He's got really reliable hands. I really like what he has to offer. I think with pairing him with Jimmy Garoppolo for a full year, I think you're really going to see Brandon Ayuk really break out this year. And he had flashes last year of success too. So, uh, you know, I don't trust Debo Samuel. I think Brandon Ayuk will definitely be the guy you see have real success this year. And maybe not be the one receiver. I think that belongs to George Kittle. But overall, I agree he's going to be a guy who makes a lot of plays for the Niners. Um, number two comes in my defensive player. And I did a little uh, research here kind of uh, and talked to one of our friends that are Cardinals fans on this. Uh, but Isaiah Simmons, the second-year linebacker for the Cardinals, I think he really struggled last year. He only had 43 total tackles. Tackles. He only had two sacks. Um, I think he really had to develop into his role. Um, they, I feel like he was more of an edge uh, in college and they kind of might try to make him more of a traditional middle linebacker. So I think year two, he's too athletic, he's too fast, and he's too smart to not be a good player. So to me, he switches number back to nine, or he was 11 in college, I should say. Now he's number nine, so be on the lookout for that. All these weird numbers this year. Yeah. Um, but I think Isaiah Simmons is going to have a big year. And I, I'm not going to guarantee he's going to have double-digit sacks, but I think it would be huge for the Cardinals if he could have 10-plus sacks this year. I like that one, actually. I was kind of leaning towards him, but, you know, I, I, I get it. All right. Well, this one surprised me, Randy, and I, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if, if this exercise lends itself to this, but I'm going to go Drew Locke for the Denver Broncos at the quarterback position. 
I, I think we all know of the arm. He's got one of the best arms that Denver's had in a long time there. Mm-hmm. So with those wide receiver core of Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, and um, Cortland Sutton, of course, and then of course my personal favorite, Tim Patrick. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think there's potential here if he can stay healthy. And I, I think that was the big thing last year. A lot of people expected some big things from him last year. He just was never healthy enough to produce. So I I, I like Drew Locke a lot this year. Drew Locke I think can put up Pro Bowl numbers mm. in the NFC West. And you already know, I like Denver. I had Denver going like 11 and 6, 12 and 5. So, yeah, so this might lend itself to that. And he's played well in the preseason. Yeah. I like that pick. Uh, I think if that happens, you're looking at the Broncos as a real contender now. I really do love the roster. Um, I see a lot on Giants Twitter on a daily basis. And today the big (laughs) thing was that the Broncos have not committed to a week one starter and many Giants fans are pulling for Drew Locke to win the job because they think he'll make more mistakes uh, and ultimately cost the Broncos more than he'll succeed. And I think that part is true. And we talked about how Teddy doesn't really commit to any turnovers and put teams in bad positions, but overall the ceiling much higher for Drew Locke. So I do like your pick. and I like a lot of the talent that's around him too. Yes. He's going to be well protected in Denver. I agree. All right. My number three, uh, you're a man you're very familiar with here, Matt Bushnell, Darnell Mooney, uh, the Bears number two wide receiver opposite of Allen Robinson. Um, He showed flashes last year. He had 61 catches for 631 yards with four touchdowns. Uh, He had a great highlight against Jalen Ramsey that Ramsey still (laughs) talks about. He's still not happy about it. (laughs) Um, So he's a very fast receiver on the outside opposite of Allen Robinson. The quarterback situation for the Bears last year really put this man in a situation to not succeed. And yet he still showed flashes of having success. Uh, I think he's a burner. I think he is Robbie Anderson-esque in a way, but I think he could even be better than Robbie Anderson. So if you have some consistency, whether it is Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, I, I think Darnell Mooney could be one of the best number two receivers in the league. So uh, I think Darnell Mooney is poised to have a big year for the Bears uh, in year two. Yeah, I, and I love that pick for quite a few reasons, and mainly is because of number one at the quarterback position, yeah. Justin Fields. I, I think Andy Dalton – uh, man, I, I see the writing on the wall, man. It's you're talking him up, man. You love Andy Dalton. <laughs> I, I mean, he's he's perfectly average, and after seeing some of his performances, I'm like, uh, perfectly average might be too high of a ceiling for him. Uh, so yeah, watch out for Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields opens up that offense a lot more. Um, I under my number three guy, Michael Unwanu, the offensive lineman out of New England. Oh, there's a hog molly. Yes. I, you know, I, I like my offensive linemen. They always deserve a spot on my list. Um, Randy, wh- what does New England love in any player? Uh, grit? Vers- versatility. Okay. Versatility. This sure. guy played over, well, he played 600 snaps at right tackle. He played over 200 snaps at left guard, and he played over 150 snaps at right guard. So he gives them a lot of flexibility and he only allowed three sacks all year last year. So a six round pick mm. out of Michigan. All right. What, 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 what does that remind you of a six round pick out of Michigan? This is the guy on the Patriots for like a while back. I, I, it comes, it rings a bell. That, that's uh, right. It does. Tim, Tim Brody or something. <laughs> Yeah, Tim Brody, <laughs> the winner of seven Super Bowls. 
um but yeah no th- th- this kid's got a good foundation i watched some game film on him today really plants his feet good hand position i, I wish the bears had him honestly i i really wish they did this kid's gonna be a left tackle he's got all the traits for it and he's really good I love the pick. Uh, I was going to try to find an offensive lineman, but to be honest with you, I'd be lying to the audience <laughs> if I thought for sure there was an offensive lineman. And I didn't want to go chalk because I could have gone Andrew Thomas, uh, one of the Giants offensive linemen here. I think the Giants need these guys to take a step forward, but I'm not totally confident that's even going to happen. So I needed to stay true to myself and pick guys who I could back up and make an argument for. Uh, so that brings me to my number two guy. The one you were familiar with uh, in Arizona, Dan Arnold, the tight end who now plays for the Carolina Panthers. He is my only non-second-year player on this list. He's been in the league since 2018, and he had uh, a bit of a run here with the Cardinals and played for the uh, the Saints for a little bit. Um, last year with the Cardinals, he had 31 catches for 438 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, I thought in that offense he would have been much more successful with DeAndre Hopkins and all the other uh, weapons they had with Kyler Murray. And this year is the same logic for me. Uh, I think with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall, he's going to get a ton of opportunities over the middle. I think Sam Darnold, uh, while I don't love him, I think did love throwing to the tight end position, whether it be Chris Herndon, uh, whether it been, I don't remember the other tight ends that they had on the roster, but I do think Sam likes those big targets over the middle. Uh, I think he could be a red zone threat. Uh, I think Dan Arnold, uh, and there's been reports that he's played pretty, pretty well and already developing a nice connection with Arnold. So I want Darnold to Dan Arnold to be the thing in Carolina. And I'm going, Dan Arnold's going to have a big year tight end for the Panthers. He's my number two pick. I like it. I like it. That, that is something there. <laughs> oh, Sam Darnold. Wow. What a world we live in. Uh, my number two guy um, you know, I, I got to get a defensive guy in there. You went Isaiah Simmons, who I absolutely love. I think that was mm-hmm. a really good pick. I, I'm going Carm, Carmen Curl. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I like it. I'm sorry, Cameron Curl. Cameron Curl. Cameron. Yes. Um, the last name Curl sold me, really. Ah, kid, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> but he's a safety out of Washington. And one thing we know that Washington's going to do is get, off, get after the quarterback. And this kid can go get him. He will attack the football. He'll attack the ball carry. He's really well-rounded at the safety position. So I, I think at the end of this year, we're going to start hearing about Cameron Curl as a top five safety in the NFL. Um, just really good range, really good ability, is playing on a stud defense with a stud defensive coordinator as their head coach and Ron Rivera. I, I, I really like to me, a lot of the momentum is starting to go Washington. You know, they look good. They're playing mm-hmm. hard. Rivera is a good coach. I think he's going to do some things. I love that pick. And, you know, when you already have a front seven as good as Washington's, uh, you're going to benefit that when you're a back end secondary player. So uh, there's rumors Landon Collins might be bought out and not be on that team. So we might have more opportunities for him there, too. Um, all right, number one for me, we're going to stay in Landover. Um, I absolutely love this guy. Uh, he's going to be a guy for me. I'm targeting and all of my fantasy leagues, which appears to be six of them at the moment. Oh uh, 
and he's a running back, Antonio Gibson. Yeah. I absolutely love Antonio Gibson, and he was no slouch last year either, but I think he's going to take it to the next level this year. Um, he had 795 rushing yards last year with 11 touchdowns. That's a hell of a season. Um, he had 36 catches for 247 yards uh, on the on, in the air, and I think where he can develop especially is the pass game. Uh, I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be looking to check down a ton. I think he's going to help develop the screen game, and you're going to look like, oh, he already had almost uh, – he already had over a, a thousand all-purpose yards how could he be a breakout guy i'm talking two thousand all-purpose yards and being one of the best <laughs> running backs in the nfl i think the sky's the limit for antonio gibson and i think okay yeah he was a cute pickup at the end of everyone's draft last year antonio gibson's going to be a top five back this year i truly wow. truly believe that wow if for anyone playing fantasy football you heard all it in. from randy first all in yeah, I mean, I, I saw him, and I, I like him. Um, he does a lot of things that you have to be really excited about at the running back position. I went a little different route. Okay. Um, it's kind of amazing that you picked a bear wide receiver, and I picked a bear wide receiver, but I did not pick Darnell Mooney as much as I wanted to. Okay. Um, so let me preface by saying this. I took a guy who no one – You can't pick John Robinson. You can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Of course I can, damn it. Uh, He he only had three, you know, like what, four straight 1,000-yard seasons? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I'm going Rodney Adams, wide receiver for Chicago, undrafted, um, basically a cap invitee. He was on the practice squad last year. So I'm looking at this like a breakout star going from nothing – to a number three wide receiver in the NFL, which is not easy to do. I think with the absence of, we take a look at Anthony Miller is now with the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson's new favorite wide receiver, but it's really going to be Tyrod Taylor's favorite wide receiver. Mm -hmm. I I think when we see at the end of the day, what Rodney Adams is able to do, he's going to beat out Marquise Bird, um, who I like, but more speed, you know, not showing up. Rodney Adams had a 73-yard touchdown reception this past weekend. And it wasn't because Andy Dalton threw a great ball. He picked it off the DB's helmet and then just burned him going into the end zone. So I like Rodney Adams. This is a story going from practice squad. You know, he may only catch 50 passes for 600 yards like Darnell Mooney did last year. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be a precipitous jump from where he was at. That's a deep sleeper there for number one, Matt Bushnell. So I respect that. And, uh, you know, I went, I think Darnell Mooney was much more of a chalk pick than that. I, you know, this guy's going to end up being a, a deep, deep sleeper. And as a wide receiver three, it's harder to have success because of the other two guys in front of you. But if he's making plays like that, he'll end up having a roster spot for the, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I don't see how they cannot have him on the roster with as much crap as those other wide receivers that's shown this season, this preseason, it, it hasn't been good for the bears. Well, the Bears' off- offense could be pretty interesting if uh, they can get a nice, consistent ground game going. You know, David Montgomery, Damian Williams. Hey, you know, yeah. we could be talking about a good offense there in Chicago. Yeah, maybe we'll see. I'm not holding maybe. my breath. Yeah, don't don't get too excited. Matt Bushnell knows all too much about that. All right, let's talk about a couple more uh, news items here. One good, one really sad, and then we'll say goodbye. Uh, the first one. The Class of 22 Hall of Fame finalists have been announced. It is Cliff Branch and Dick Vermeil. Uh, Branch has been chosen as the senior finalist. 
Uh, he was with the Raiders in the 70s as a player. Uh, he was drafted in 72 and played for them through 86. He won three Super Bowls, was a three-time first-team All-Pro, and led the league in receiving in 1974. Uh, he finished his career with 501 catches for over 8,500 yards and 67 touchdowns. And Vermeil, um, Matt Bush, I don't need to tell you about Dick Vermeil, one of the most accomplished and one of the best head coaches, one of the best coaches in general, I should say, in the history of the sport. So uh, what do you make of the finalists of 2022 Hall of Fame class? Yeah, it's really impressive with a branch when we think about it, just in that era of football when it was really ground and pound and they had Marcus Allen mm -hmm. at that time. And, and the Raiders were a good team. You know, we really think about their defense really leading that charge. So to me, definitely deserving. You put up 8,500 yards during that era. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you did some stuff. Yep. Uh, and then I go to Dick Vermeil and what a career, what a coach. Um, to me, Dick seemed like a person that he really cared about the players. You know, he was really kind of the epitome of a player's coach. Mm -hmm. When a lot of coaches during that era, we just kind of viewed as hard asses. Like, you know, you're just pieces of meat. I don't care about you. And maybe he let him that loosen up, you know, let his players have some more fun. And keep in mind, the guy had Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt, and Marshall Falk and Orlando Pace. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, kudos to Vermeil. You know, I, I like both of those picks. Yeah, Branch did die in 2019, so he would be inducted posthumously. Um and, you know, Vermeil humbly released a statement saying, I'm overwhelmed. I'm not sure I belong. And, I'm, you know, obviously he's being humble. He, oh, he's he, going to cry. Yeah, he's he, of course, belongs. And both of their impacts on the game is, have been certainly felt. And I think they're both locks uh, for the Hall of Fame, no doubt. All right. And unfortunately, I hate ending the show with some sad news. But uh, if you're, you're a Giants fan like me, Tom Coughlin's uh, impact on you and your life it cannot be understated. So uh, he came up with an opinion. He came out with an opinion piece this morning with the New York Times the, this morning saying that his wife, Judy, was diagnosed with a rare incurable brain disorder that has cost her almost all ability to speak and move. Uh, the, the way he wrote it was very elegant and said, you know, while people gear up for the NFL season, he will be sitting on the sidelines, bedside, um, holding the hand of his biggest supporter as she sort of deteriorates. And uh, the time is ticking on her. And unfortunately, there's not much time left. Uh, if you know anything about Coughlin, you know, the Jay Foundation he created and his wife's impact on him and how she kind of changed him after his first season with the Giants, how they wanted to fire him because he was such an authoritarian jerk all the time. She kind of convinced him to change his ways. And, uh, you know, her impact, all the, the whole team loved her. And every time there was, a, you know, obviously the Giants won two Super Bowls, she was right there with Coughlin the entire time. And she was just as big of a part, um, you know, as some of the other women of football to me. Uh, she was always very much every time Coughlin spoke about his success, uh, the very first thing he would say was, my wife, my wife, my wife. I wouldn't be here without my wife. So um, my prayers go out to, to Tom and his wife, Judy, and that whole Coughlin family. They're, they're the greatest people, man. They really are. So my heart breaks. It's one of the more gut-wrenching stories you can read. And I hate ending the show this way, Matt, but I have to say uh, thank you, Tom, and thank you, Judy, for everything. I hope, you know, you guys have all the best. Yeah, and, you know, I don't want it to be, um, you know, obviously my thoughts and prayers are with them as well. I, I don't want to make light of the situation, but I wonder if you polled 100 New York Giant fans, who would be mm -hmm. the better coach, Tom Coughlin or Bill Parcells? <laughs> well, I mean, they both won two Super Bowls. 
So, I, I think that, you know, the Giants are very much a traditional fan base. They would probably say Parcells and the tree under Parcells uh, speaks for itself. So I think that's where he would have the advantage. But Coughlin, um, as far as not being stuck in your ways and adapting to the times and, and really getting the most out of your guys, I mean, Coughlin's right up there in that aspect because he had it really bad and was as close to getting fired as you could have it. And to change that and to have success the way he did, it's unbelievable. And I, you know, and all the quotes he said is that he credited Judy so much to all that. So uh, I have to thank her, uh, you know, but they always say behind a great man is an even better woman. So, um, you know, I, I'm very sad and uh, heartbroken, honestly, to read the story, but you know, they're both, um, you know, pushing 80 years old. And I think you could ask anybody, if you get to that point, you've lived a good life. I just hope, you know, she's not suffering too much. And I hope for Tom's sake that, you know, overall that there's not a ton of pain and suffering going on here. Yep. You know, being a veteran of the Institute of Marriage as I am currently, <laughs> and you are soon to be, sir. <laughs> Very um, soon. It, it's a special bond, you know, yeah. it, it's and a part of you, you know, unfortunately goes when, you know, your wife goes. So I dread that day. Hopefully I go first. And I hope Tom's able to find peace in a very difficult time because it's, it's going to be really heartbreaking. Yeah. And I know they'll never know who I am or ever know my name, but uh, if they ever find a way that if ever, you know, come across this somehow, um, you know, you guys will always be responsible for two of the best days I ever had in my life. So I am eternally grateful for that. And thank you guys for everything. And, and seriously, my, my thoughts and prayers are with you guys and uh, my heart is broken for that. Yeah. Um, okay. There's no easy transition out of that story, Matt, but uh, you know, we do do a lot of shows under our life group umbrella. Uh, why don't you go down the line and tell us about some of the other ones happening? Yes, Dong City, um, I think, are they going this Wednesday? I don't know. I'm so I confused. <laughs> yeah. So we have Dong City on Wednesdays. I, they go every other Wednesday. Uh, you know, I love Henry. I love Vince, Henry Maldonado Jr., Vince Mercandetti. They're covering all the baseball stuff. It's kind of torture right now in our groups because the Yankees are kicking everyone's ass. Mm. And I have to deal with Randy and this bet, which I'm starting to become increasingly <laughs> nervous about. Uh, you know, Randy, oh, what difference does a month make in baseball? Because the oh, Yankees were like 12 games back of the White Sox. Yep. It was doom and gloom. And then all of a sudden, the Yankees start going on a run. But Vince and Henry cover all the baseball stuff. So great show by them. Love those guys. Thursday, we have our Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast with Corey Richmond and Jason Brooks. And my goodness, Randy, um, you know, I, I can only tell you a quick story. Uh, I was out on wrestling for the longest time. And then I turn mm -hmm. on this little, I, I, I turn on the show, WWE Raw, and I see this guy, CM Punk. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll watch a little bit. Th then he drops the infamous pipe bomb. Mm -hmm. Then he leaves WWE, gone forever. And then he shows back up in this new promotion called AEW. And it was the first time I actually like, wanted to watch an entire wrestling show. I haven't watched an entire wrestling show in such a long time, but I look forward to Corey and Jason breaking that moment down along with WWE SummerSlam, and they do such a great job. I just want to say, too, on that, I haven't been that excited for a wrestling show in a very long time. Uh, I, I used to be a massive wrestling fan. I still consider myself a, a wrestling historian in a way. Um, but like you said, the summer of punk was 10 years ago. Now um, the, the impact he had on wrestling uh, cannot be understated. And uh, the song he comes out to cult personality by in living color. Uh, I must have listened to that, you know, 15 times over the weekend in excitement uh, that he was back. And I don't know if he can even wrestle anymore, but it's still pretty cool to have him back. 
Yeah, you figure the things that he can do. He's so multi-talented in wrestling. He yeah. can announce. He, he, he gets the business. And, and that's what I think wrestling was missing for the longest time. Mm-hmm. I just hope some of those clowns in AEW listen to him. Where, <laughs> you know, n- not everything has to be an oh my God, holy shit moment. Yeah. You know, you, you can tell a story in, a, in the ring without that. And then um, we have the Step Back podcast. And I got to be honest, Randy, I don't know if they go on Friday. I don't know if they go on Monday. I don't know if they go on Wednesdays. It's the off season for basketball. They're chilling. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just chilling. And, you know, these guys do such great stuff um, during the middle of uh, all, all the other stuff going on in basketball during the off season. So I think, you know, we see them in basketball life breaking down all the moves, everything that we see going on in the NBA. So even if you don't see them on the podcast stuff going every week, tune in to Basketball Life because they're telling you a lot of useful information about mm-hmm. what teams are good. And, you know, they're, they're trashing the DeMar DeRozan signing, which mm-hmm. hurts me personally because I love me some DeMar Rosen, but <laughs> is what it is. And, well, then, and, it, and it is Kobe day. So go over and, and talk some basketball with those guys. If they're not, you're not doing a show, they can still talk to you. And uh, obviously, you know, I'm still devastated by the Kobe Bryant loss. Yeah. So uh, I'm always posting old clips of Kobe Bryant in there. And uh, obviously, I, I mean, they have great basketball talk on the regular anyway. So just go over there and check it out. Yeah, absolutely. They, they do great work over there. And then of course, we have the Total Basis Podcast with Felipe Melicio and Sean Connor Flannery. And we all know fantasy baseball is coming to an end. It's mm-hmm. playoff time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm eliminated. You know, um, I, I started off good, Randy. I, I had a nice little run there, but I finished with the worst record in the league. Uh, you know, much like my Chicago White Sox, I just suffered too many injuries. <laughs> so no, I'll, I'll, I'll be watching the playoffs from home. Well, uh, you know, it takes the stress out of it. You know, that's all it does. You know, it's less you got to worry about when football season starts. So now your full focus is on the great sport of football. And I'm happy about that. Because uh, we got college football this upcoming weekend, Matt Bush. Yeah. And then we got the uh, NFL soon to follow. Um, look, before we go, I, I mean, we briefly touched on the bet there. I got some interesting notes about the, these New York Yankees. Um, Ten in a row. Uh, mind you, and they're playing right now, losing two to one to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton with a 400 plus foot bomb. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I have an interesting tidbit because, as many of you know who watch us, listen to us, I work in local news here in upstate New York. Um, one of the reasons we did not have a show a couple weeks ago was due to the fact that uh, our governor uh, had <laughs> resigned. And today was his official resignation day. Uh, if you're familiar, his name is Andrew Cuomo. Uh, his fun fact, his father, Mario Cuomo, used to be governor of New York uh, back in the 80s and the early 90s. The most interesting stat of the day here, Matt, is that the New York Yankees have never won a World Series with a Cuomo in office. <laughs> Mind you, Mario in the 80s and 90s, and now Andrew from 2011 to 2021. The Yankees have never won a World Series with a Cuomo in office. The Cuomo curse is lifted. The Yankees <laughs> have won 10 in a row. It is now or never, Matt Bushnell. Our bet is alive. I am ready. Let's go, Yankees. I am excited for October in the Bronx. Yeah, well, have fun <laughs> with that one. Um, a, a quick programming note, because I don't want to talk about this. Um, the, the Audible, September 6th, our Football Life Fantasy Football League is having a draft, Randy. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm going to live stream it. You are, of course, invited to the podcast if you yeah. so desire to be there. Um, it, it is a special show, so it won't take over the Tuesday show. But please join me as I shit on everyone's picks besides my own. Um, I will shit on Corey Decker's picks. I will shit on Jacob Anthony Moses' picks. I will shit on Felipe Melicio's picks. And anybody else that I so desire. Um, mm-hmm. Stephen Furlong is going to catch a shit. And everyone. I am not going to miss an opportunity. Unfortunately, we don't have the abomination. And I will not mention his name. But he drafted a kicker in the fifth round last year. Uh-huh. And as, and as much as I'd like to crap on him, he's not here to defend himself anymore. He chose that path, but you know, it's a good thing we don't have to worry about him any longer. Yeah, uh, not not too concerned about that. Yeah, but uh, even if you're not in the league, which we're not doing two leagues this year, we're just going to do one due to interest levels. Um, check out the draft and maybe get some inspiration for your drafts. But obviously, this is fantasy draft season here, so study up. Uh, I have my first ever in-person draft this weekend. No, Ooh. completely offline. I've never done one of these before, so I've been studying all week, getting prepared for that. Um, I'm in a, I just joined a dynasty league. I'm all in a fantasy. You know this. It's a big thing for me. Um, but on the 7th, we'll do our season kickoff preview show, Matt. Yep. And there's a chance we might have a special uh, event happening here. Uh, Henry Maldonado Jr. and I, along with some other prominent life group uh, people, might be in Cooperstown for uh, a bit of a, a bit of a, a Hall of Fame uh, situation. So I uh, might be doing the show live from there with Henry in person. So that might be the first for our life group podcast to have a podcast happening with uh, contributors in person so looking forward to that and we'll keep you up to date on that when it comes on i look forward to it all right matt bushnell uh, any parting words for the audience no not tonight not tonight all right well he's gonna say go white socks i'm gonna say let's go yanks and the streaks are coming to an end eventually but hey i'm really really feeling good about the yankees these days so uh happy kobe day to all who that celebrates thank you all for participating watching on our facebook live and thank you for watching no matter where you are whether if it's on youtube or facebook no matter what we appreciate that and the audio only platforms we thank you for taking checking those out as well so wherever you may be listening or watching and however you may be listening or watching thank you for making us a small part of your day i'm randy hammond i'll be happy Matt Bush from saying see you guys next week.